And then there were two. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me before she has the Pro Bowl, which we will discuss. 49ers Chiefs, they'll meet again in the Super Bowl. How do we feel about the matchup? How do we feel about the 49ers being in the game? Also, there is some early buzz the Cardinals will be a playoff team in 2024. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 723, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, one heart, one threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So I just found out before we hit record on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Not only is Buda Baker headed to the Pro Bowl, but Danny Sarek is headed to the Pro Bowl. Congratulations. Thank you. That's why I'm recording on a Monday rather than my normal Wednesday as we were trying to be careful. I didn't know what day I was going to leave quite yet. So just to be safe, I took over Paul's day without even asking if it was okay with him. We don't need to ask Paul for his permission (laughs) for anything. So this is your second Pro Bowl selection. Thank you. Two more than myself. (laughs) Getting closer to Ron Wolfley's coveted four that he always talks about all the time. So you're halfway there. I've done less than half of the work that Wolf has done, but somehow I've managed to get my second Pro Bowl nod. The Pro Bowl is on Sunday, February 4th in Orlando. First time we looked this up, first time since 2020, because when you went the first time, it was in Las Vegas. Right, two years ago. So after the 2021 season, gosh, we had like five or six <laughs> players that went that year. Uh, so that was a fun one, and then didn't go last year because the Cardinals didn't have anybody. And now we're going with Buda Baker to Orlando. So I, gosh, I haven't been to Orlando since I was like probably five years old, whatever. My family last went to Disney World. So I'm excited for this. A little bit of a different little change of scenery. Now the skills competition is on Thursday. The game is on Sunday. It kind of gives you that weekend without football, at least without the Super Bowl. But I'm curious. I had this conversation with Darren Urban. He kind of shot me down, which he typically does. But could there be a teammate of Buda's who joins him in Orlando based off the fact that George Kittle headed to the Super Bowl. He's the Pro Bowl starter for the NFC at the tight end position. Sam Laporta made the team as well. The Lions just got eliminated. He's been banged up. I think there's a possibility Trey McBride gets that tap on his shoulder. Wasn't the alternates list already set, though? I had not seen that list. Typically, the Cardinals do announce when they announce a Pro Bowl player, they'll say the al- the alternates as well. But I was looking. T.J. Hawkinson, he needs knee surgery. Cole Komet would be the only other one as far as looking at the stats. He has McBride beat as far as touchdowns, but McBride has more catches. He has more receiving yards. So, And then, again, you're looking for one replacement because that's Kittle. And if you're Sam Laporta, do you – Want to go to Orlando coming off a loss in the NFC Championship game? Maybe as game a rookie. I, I don't I, know. I'm, I'm not sure if how, I guess, logistically that works of like alternates and if you're not on the alternate list, but the league runs out of players at that position. Trey McBride absolutely earned a Pro Bowl nod. I also think 
Like safety Jalen Thompson had a really good year. Despite missing four games, what running back James Conner was able to produce this year. There were a couple of Cardinals players that I was surprised didn't make the Pro Bowl. I guess I shouldn't say that because typically when a team only has four wins, you don't send a lot of players to the Pro Bowl. They don't get a lot of votes. But alternates I was surprised about. If it works out that way and the league needs somebody, especially at tight end, McBride absolutely would make sense. I I don't know what he's got planned. I think the personality that he has and, you know, the joy that he brings, I would think he would want to go to Orlando and experience that Pro Bowl. I guess the silver lining is what we saw from McBride, and that was not even starting for the first, what, five or six games when Zach Ertz was still a Cardinal and still your starting tight end. I believe that Trey McBride has got a couple Pro Bowl nods ahead of him if he continues to play the way that he did this year. He's on the right track. And again, sometimes it takes a year before you get that selection from fans, your peers. you got to show up on the radar first. And I don't know if McBride has shown up on the radar outside of Arizona and Cardinals fans. But this is the week. Over the next couple of days, guys will tap out of this game, whether because they're playing in the Super Bowl, which automatically eliminates them from consideration. And then, okay, there's the injuries, whether you're rehabbing or you need something done, i.e. TJ Hawkinson, or again, it's, well, do I really want to go to Orlando? Is it a destination city like Las Vegas is for so many? Like Hawaii was for so many players back when Ron Wolfley was playing. Okay, it wasn't that long ago, but I don't know. I'm just I, I I'm curious if it's a po- I think it's a possibility. I just wonder over the next three four days how many different names we hear of players being added to the game because of one reason or another. It's so it's funny to think about the differences of a Las Vegas Pro Bowl and an Orlando Florida Pro Bowl. This is definitely more family friendly. I know that. Uh, the players, they all get to go to Disney World one day. I think they shut down the park and they get to kind of experience that with their families. Look, I wouldn't blame a player if they don't really have a desire to go to Florida, to be honest. You I have- might be getting a little personal about how I feel about <laughs> Florida and the humidity and all those things. But uh, I also could see players wanting to go. Someone like a Sam Laporta as a rookie and wanting to get that experience. They also get paid. Can't forget that, Craig. That's right. There is a payday <laughs> with it as well. And I think a bonus for winning some of these activities and winning the, I put game in quotation marks, it's a flag football game. It's not a lot of heavy hitting or anything like that. I don't know. I'm just, I was just wondering. And of course, again, Darren shot me down, which typically does. And maybe I'm completely off base here. I just, I just wonder based off the fact that Kittle can't play, Laporta just played a game. Wasn't even sure he was going to be able to play in the playoffs. So I'm, and I do think McBride is worthy of consideration, at least the talk here as you and I speak on Cardinals Cover 2. Absolutely. I would agree with that. I'm also kind of excited to see how the Pro Bowls shake out. There's just so much talk, understandably so, of people not loving the actual football game that the Pro Bowl has been for many years, despite it still getting pretty good ratings, which is. A little surprising because I don't feel like there's any positivity online about that game. So I like the fact that the league has been listening and they're kind of trying to change things up a little bit. I think that'll be fun to see. Fans always like to see players, their favorite players, kind of out of their element a little bit, especially with the skills competition. And then just the banter back and forth during that flag football game because it's a lot of talk versus a lot of action 
until, again, late in the game and all of a sudden people realize, wait a second, if we win this, there's a potential of an MVP and a bonus there and then winning the game, which is more money in my pocket and to pay for all the things that we might have done in the days leading up to the game itself. So I just, yeah, I, it, it's not what it once was, but I do think it's getting a little bit better. It's easy. It's an easier watch than when guys were in full pads and going quarter speed. Agreed. Are the Manning brothers coaching again? Because yes. that was so fun to see last Peyton's year. Peyton's doing the AFC. Eli's doing the NFC. Okay. Based off the they Colts, make it Broncos, and Jones. Right. So yeah. Right. They make that fun. Okay. So congratulations again. Thanks. Danny Sarek headed to her second Pro Bowl. Should be fun. I'm excited. That is Sunday, February 4th. And then again... The following week from that, Sunday, February 11th, we've got Super Bowl 58. We mentioned George Kittle headed to the Super Bowl. Sam Laporta is not. That is because the Lions blew a 17-point lead. So how do we feel about the 49ers in the big game taking on the Chiefs? We can get to that later, but just the 49ers 49ers. once again. I can understand people being excited about just how the 49ers, where everybody was getting hurt. Was that last year, two years ago? Last year last in the year, NFC Championship right, game. Right, that's year, what it was, Brock yeah. Purdy, right. Of, which I kind of like that storyline, I guess, of people saying, look, they found their way back here again and now they're getting a chance in the Super Bowl that, fair or not, they didn't get last year. I think it's in a different way than... The Chiefs, impressive. The 49ers seem to be consistent in this and bringing over running back Christian McCaffrey, who was good in Carolina, doesn't even seem like the same player as he is in in San Francisco. It's incredible what he does. You have to respect that. And that was something that Lions head coach Dan Campbell even talked about after their losses, telling his players the reality that It'll be twice as hard for Detroit to get to that same spot, the NFC Championship, next year. Even if they keep a lot of the same team, it is not easy to do that. And the 49ers being able to do that is impressive. Coming back from that deficit where Detroit came out hot and they were just slicing up San Francisco and to stay true to who they are and and not get shaken by that was impressive. The ricochet catch by ASU is he an alum? Did he graduate, Brandon Ayuk? Yes. Okay, ASU alum, Brandon Ayuk. Thank you for teaching me that, Darren Urban. That was crazy, that catch. It reminded me, which didn't pan out well for the Cardinals, it reminded <laughs> me of the game in Cleveland where that pass ricocheted off Dante Steele's helmet. And was it Amari Cooper? So it like, yeah. happened to be in the perfect spot in the end zone and they caught a touchdown. That's what It was just crazy the way that worked out for Ayuk there. I'm not a big fan. Put it this way. I was rooting for the Lions. That storyline is great. It's a great storyline. And two, I just I don't buy into or follow the trend of, well, yeah, they're in your division, so you want your division to do well. You lost to them twice, or you split with them, or you beat them. Hey, we beat the team that eventually goes to the Super Bowl, wins the whole thing. I, I don't I don't get into that. I don't like seeing the 49ers win. I'm not going to like seeing the 49ers play in the Super Bowl. Great team, but I'm sorry. I don't want to see the 49ers, the Rams, or the Seahawks do well. I think that's fair. I'm right there with you. It doesn't make me feel any better if I'm a Cardinals fan to say that I lost both games to the division rival who went on to play or win the Super Bowl. 
absolutely right there with you. An interesting thought when I was watching the game was I was talking to a friend about what she wanted the 49ers to win because she thought the 49ers have a better chance of beating the Chiefs. And that was the thought process, which was interesting of between the two teams, one Detroit to win and the Lions and the storyline that's there. But thinking long term, knowing that Kansas City had already won and not wanting to see Patrick Mahomes get another ring, she wanted the 49ers to win for that reason. So Chiefs fatigue, which is a very real thing. We discussed it a week ago with Paul. He has Chiefs fatigue. Their fourth trip in five years. They beat the Ravens 17-10. to I don't have Chiefs fatigue. I find them very fun to watch. And that defense, more so than any other of their trips to the Super Bowl, their defense has carried the Chiefs into this playoff run and into the Super Bowl once again as they look to go back-to-back. So I don't... It didn't matter either way, Chiefs or Ravens. Maybe some new blood. See the Ravens play the Lions, but I don't have Chiefs fatigue. I, I, I enjoy watching Andy Reid on the sideline. Patrick Mahomes is fun to watch. They've got a great team, great defense. I love a Chris Jones on the Cardinals defensive line. They're hard to find, but I think that is a big piece missing from this Cardinals defense. So I'm, I'm okay with the Chiefs winning. I'm not okay with the 49ers winning. I don't have full-on Chiefs fatigue I can see how people are starting to feel that way similarly to how people felt with the Patriots in in their heyday with Tom Brady I think if you're looking at comparing those two the Chiefs are a lot more likable they feel more almost like blue collar in a sense compared to the Patriots Patrick Mahomes is very fun to watch what Andy Reid has done especially with their offense and and their lack of true weapons compared to what they have in the past with the exception of Travis Kelsey has been impressive what they've done I don't know that I necessarily want to see them get another ring but I don't necessarily want to see the 49ers hoist the Lombardi so it's kind of eh, I don't really think I'm cheering one way or the other I am the kind of person where I like a rivalry. I like seeing players get a little chippy with each other. I like seeing that passion. I like seeing two fit not fan bases in terms of the fans, but but teams, whether or not they're in the same division, having a little bad blood. I don't particularly love seeing egos come out. Um, talking about pregame with what Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were doing with kicker Justin Tucker. Um, in Baltimore, where he probably warms up in the same spot of that field every week. And Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes kicking away his holder and moving his football and Travis Kelsey throwing his helmet. That to okay. me is, that, that, that's the part where if you're talking about any sort of Chiefs fatigue, which, yes, they have earned it because they have been so good in this, what, five or six years. I'm not saying you don't deserve to be confident and you don't deserve that. But at the same time, like, I feel like there's a fine line of, like, you have some bad blood, whatever, like, you're playing in a big game. Like, that to me, to see that from Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes just makes me not like the Chiefs as much. That particular incident, I guess we can call it, refer to it, pregame, because I saw the tweets and I was like, wow. I thought it was a parody at first. And then I saw the video and it wasn't a throw. It was a toss. Because a throw is overhand. My definition, throw is okay, overhand still. and then a toss. And all the while, Justin Tucker's smiling. 
He had this big grin on his face. And it's funny because I had this conversation with someone else. The media, fans, all over the Chiefs. What are you doing? Players, current, and former on social media? Say, no, no. The Ravens, kickers do this all the time. They warm up on the opposing team's side. They do it on purpose to try to get under people's skins. Right. This should not happen. You should not be warming up on the other team's side. But kickers do it all the time. It's gone on for years. I know. But at some point, when your quarterback is warming up, okay, picture Kyler Murray there. Would you not want Trey McBride or someone else to eliminate the kicking tee or a football so your quarterback doesn't get hurt, accidentally steps on something, turns it in? Look, yeah, I'm exaggerating here, but I have no problem whatsoever with what happened pregame. Zero problem. In fact, I found it funny. I don't wouldn't go so far as to say I have a problem. It's more like it just kind of comes off pretty egotistic for those two because it's the Chiefs and because it's those two players specifically. So there is a little Chiefs fatigue for Danny. A little. A little. I'm not entirely fatigued because I can at least objectively appreciate what they've done over these last couple years and having done so when they are having to change pieces. In the off, pretty much every offseason of losing somebody on offense, somebody on defense that before had played a major role for them. And that's impressive what they've been able to do. I think back of when you're talking about the fatigue, too, of the game where the Chiefs were, who was it that wasn't lined up correctly? Was that, it wasn't MBS. It was Kadarius Tony, right? And then it's Patrick Mahomes is shaking Josh Allen's hand at the end and not even like being, like no sportsmanship, just like complaining as if Josh Allen is going to do anything about it or sit there and say yeah you're right like you guys deserve to win not like it's those kinds of things where I don't know I just feel like it's kind of new this year to see that from Patrick Mahomes and it's it's a fine line of again they've earned that especially Mahomes of how good he has been um, how special he is going to be already is one of the greatest it's just I can absolutely understand why people might feel a little fatigued so you're, now you're going to have two weeks, less than two weeks here before the Super Bowl. And on the 49ers side, it's can they do what they were not able to do the last time the 49ers and Chiefs met back four years ago, and that is can the 49ers beat the Chiefs? You've got the storyline, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, going up against a first-round draft pick in Patrick Mahomes, who was not a top-10 pick, but he was a top-15 selection. And then, yes, there's going to be two weeks of talk between your favorite couple you know in the National Football I, League, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. It's already started. I actually, it started pregame. It did. You know what, Craig? I actually, there was a video like afterwards, there were two videos, one of Taylor Swift on the field postgame, and they're like hugging and celebrating. And then there's another where postgame after the Chiefs won, Taylor Swift is walking in a tunnel and someone's recording like some woman yelling at her how she's ruining football. And she just very calmly says... I didn't do anything. I actually told a friend, I was like, I like that. One, I like that she's kind of standing, not like yelling back, but is kind of like taking a stand. And two, I thought it was pretty cute them celebrating on the field. I'm not anti-Taylor Swift. Um, it is exciting. I. It's funny the way that people or companies are kind of taking advantage of this, like an airline's adding a... Uh, <laughs> a direct flight from Kansas City to Vegas. Vegas and the flight numbers being 87 for Travis Kelsey and the other one being 1989 for her album. 
um, the fact that people were already tracking. I guess Taylor Swift is resuming her Eras tour in oh, yes. Tokyo, Japan, and four nights starting on Wednesday. But by the time the the final show is supposed to end, she should have just enough time to fly back with about twenty four hours before kickoff in Vegas. You know what? That's exciting. <laughs> if they, I've said that all along. It's exciting if they are happy together. I would. It seems like Travis Kelsey, this is not his first rodeo going through the Super Bowl. So I'm sure that kind of changed that a little. But don't you kind of feel like the tension should be on him and not so much on Taylor? And that's not to take away what she's done is incredible as an artist. Um, and I get it, right? She's a big name and people want to celebrate, you know, the all-American athlete and the pop star and their relationship and all of that. I'm not against that at all it is still a lot right <laughs> of a actually lot of i didn't find that much at least i only saw I, two cutaways during i'm not the game. talking about Post i'm talking was, about yeah i'm talking about yeah, more okay. when i say a lot i mean like online like gotcha. the tweets yes, i yes. have i have no problem showing taylor swift in a suite celebrating like i had no problem seeing jason kelsey take a shirt off and jump out the suite in buffalo and drink beers with bill's mafia like i have no problem during cutaways of showing a family member celebrating. Like I personally, if you are simply rooting against the Chiefs for the sole fact that Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, like get over yourself. Yeah, that I just I I don't I don't understand that line of thinking. They hardly even show her. It should not take away what happens between the lines. And yeah, it's going to be a topic, but how about a bigger topic? The fact that Travis Kelsey, who many people believed had not stopped playing, but was over the hill and had regressed. He's helped carry this Chiefs offense here in this three-game playoff run. Not comparing too much, but it reminds me a little bit of what Larry Fitzgerald did during that Super Bowl run, where all of a sudden it's that quarterback and pass catcher, and all of a sudden you have that with some good protection on an offensive line and a decent defense. Yeah, a team can make a playoff run. Wasn't a very good Chiefs team during the regular season but it's who gets hot at the right time. Chiefs have gotten hot. They figured things out. And yeah, I think the Super Bowl, again, we've got plenty of time to discuss it, but I do expect this game to be an exciting one and maybe not not, not too much different than that first meeting as far as a back and forth and maybe one team gets ahead and then the other team comes back. But And it comes down to a play late, or a couple plays late in the fourth quarter. You're right. It's about when you get hot, that momentum, when you get rolling. When you have and you continue to re-sign and pay a player like Travis Kelsey, you do it for moments like this, where even if it wasn't a great regular season, he is stepping up in the moments that he needs to. And even if it's not really clicking with Patrick Mahomes and his wide receivers, it's clicking with Travis Kelsey. And he's able to find a way to get open or win those contested throws and be an impact player. That's what you want. That's what you need from a veteran like Kelsey. So even if he didn't have or the Chiefs offense, Chiefs team as a whole didn't have a great regular season, this is when it counts. This is when it is most important and he is stepping up. I think about that throw where Mahomes was, he was falling. I don't remember if it was forward or backward, but he just kind of chucked the ball up. And the way that Kelsey extended, like it was so fast the way he just extended his body and brought that ball in as he was falling. Those are the moments where you can tell like that chemistry, that connection, that trust 
is so important. And that that play is a great example as to why you continue to bring back a player like Travis Kelsey for your quarterback. All right, let's bring this conversation full circle and how we began talking about someone potentially could be in that position maybe next year, a couple years from now, Trey McBride. The chemistry between quarterback and the safety blanket, your favorite target, and the tight end position. I do think during this four games, during the divisional round and the conference championship Sunday, the tight end and the importance of that position, just look around at the teams that were remaining, the final eight, if you will, and the reliance on a tight end because none of these teams have that number one wide receiver that we talk about all the time. You're relying on, I wouldn't say lesser players, but there is a difference when people talk about the wide receiver position versus the tight end position. But it does bode well, I think, because we saw it late this past season for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray trusting a young tight end, and now those two can grow, move forward within this offense to where perhaps it's Kyler Murray and Trey McBride being talked about much like a Patrick Mahomes and a Travis Kelsey. Just not comparing the players, but just the position that they're in as far as quarterback and tight end, hopefully one day leading the Cardinals on a playoff run. I can absolutely see that being the future between those two. And from what we saw where, again, Trey McBride was not your starter for the first couple of weeks. And Kyler Murray wasn't even playing for a couple weeks after McBride really started playing as your number one tight end because Zach Ertz got hurt. And it took a little bit when Murray got back onto the field. But looking at the numbers, once Murray did return, McBride led tight ends around the league in a handful of categories. It's very impressive what they were able to do together. It's very clear that Murray trusts McBride. And that those moments are clear when Murray threw a few interceptions that were intended for McBride, two or three, I believe, off the top of my head this year. And Murray continued to throw the ball to McBride after that. The first game that happened, Murray took a little bit of time before he found Trey McBride, which I know we were all worried at that point because that was when McBride ended up surpassing 100 receiving yards, I believe, for the first time this season. But moving forward, you could see that trust because despite a mistake or a lapse in communication or a route that was being run, Murray continued to find McBride and, and that trust really did grow. I think that's what McBride needed. He didn't have a lot of opportunities his rookie year. And when he did, I'm not sure it was in the best situations of not necessarily coaching from him, you know, coaching to McBride personally, but just the offense as a whole and and then playing from behind. It, but this year, you could really tell the confidence in himself and an understanding this new offense really grew with McBride. And what stood out is when the wide receivers were not producing, were not producing on a consistent level, it was Trey McBride that was. Kind of similar to the Chiefs. Remember, week eight is kind of when all of this happened when Zach Gertz gets hurt and all of a sudden McBride sees his playing time increase. So without really a full season as tight end one, McBride still tied for fifth in NFL among tight end in receptions and seventh in receiving yards without a full season. So I'm very encouraged just by those two pieces moving forward. And then, of course, you build upon it, and it takes more than just two players to make an extended playoff run. 
But I do think if you're Cardinals and Cardinals fans, you have to be encouraged by what you saw on the field, either on the road or at State Farm Stadium, and then see how tight ends were used here during this playoff push around not only the NFC but the AFC as well. It was tight ends that were be that people were talking about more so than the wide receiver slash running back. And those numbers talking about McBride, that was his season numbers once Kyler Murray came back. So after week ten, McBride was at the top of those lists just from week ten on when when he had Kyler Murray. I do like what we saw from this offense and from this staff of how they utilize tight ends. I liked what we saw from Jeff Swaim as your main blocking tight end. And Elijah Higgins, who was a receiver in college and then moved over to the tight end position this year. And I think that we saw some good things from him near the back end of the season of not just blocking, but also as a receiver. Again, there were a couple of weeks where the Cardinals wide receivers were MIA and it was mostly McBride, but Higgins and Swaim and other tight ends were still stepping up. And that was important as well. And of course, the running backs, you know, James Conner have to give him credit. Amari DiMercato coming out the backfield as receivers. Yeah, need James Conner to do what he did this past season here in 2024 to get the Cardinals into the playoffs. And not sure how many noticed this, but late last week, there was a list of predictions that ran on ESPN. In fact, specifically Jeremy Fowler, the senior NFL national reporter had different storylines, predictions, and one of those storylines based off what he had been hearing around the league, whether it was league executives, scouts, or other personnel figures, the Cardinals will make a playoff run in 2024. One of his eight early season, offseason storylines. And there were a couple of quotes from an NFL offensive coach and an AFC scout. But bottom line, it goes back to, yeah, you go from four wins to where you need maybe nine, ten wins. It's a big jump, but it's maybe not that big of a jump based off what you do in the offseason, adding pieces, and then going back to how well the Cardinals played. Talent deficient, but still played all 60 minutes and hung in there with playoff teams, beating playoff teams, the Eagles, the Steelers, and then that never-give-up attitude that came from the head coach and filtered into that locker room. And you're going to have a full season with your franchise quarterback. That's the other big difference. Absolutely, it, it will matter how this front office drafts and how they approach free agency. There are a lot of deficits on this roster talking about you getting the most out of those players, the rookies, the undrafted free agents. Uh, it will be important, the pieces they add. The foundation is there, though, in terms of the culture and the type of passion and attitude and intelligence that Jonathan Gannon wants his players playing with. Even if it makes me sound like a homer, I don't really care. I think it is realistic to say that the Cardinals can make a playoff push in the 2024 season coming off a four-win season. What they were able to put out on tape, the types of teams that they beat, there were a lot of moments where the Cardinals looked really good. And if you can find the right pieces, now you're not going to be able to put five-star starters in all of the key spots you need to improve and upgrade this year. I'm talking about spots on the offensive line, wide receiver, defensive line, pass rusher, and cornerback. 
you're not that that's just not realistic. If you can find the right pieces, though, the right combinations of your draft picks and veteran free agents, the right type of players who have also the right type of mindset or leadership style, you can really do something here. The foundation has been set. Like, I I really do see that as a realistic possibility that the Cardinals can make a playoff push. In order to get there, you have to be competitive and you have to be more dominant in your division. And that's the first hurdle that Arizona has to overcome. Here's in this ESPN article written by Jeremy Fowler, the quote from the AFC scout. If they add some vet pieces in free agency, they can surprise some people. Kyler Murray will be better with a full year coming off the ACL tear. End of quote. Which is exactly what you said as far as adding talent and then a full offseason to where Kyler doesn't have to think, worry, concern himself with rehabbing anything outside of just your normal bumps and bruises and getting your body ready for a 17-game regular season. But just focus on the X's and O's and that chemistry the offensive line, and then his pass catchers. Not only just Kyler Murray not being a rookie for a full offseason with wide receiver Michael Wilson, that connection is so important and was a little too finicky for my liking. Now, Wilson wasn't fully healthy near the back half of the season once Murray returned. You need to have a stronger, more consistent connection with your big wide receiver if you are Kyler Murray. I also am excited to see what a full offseason does for outside linebacker B.J. Ojolari, a rookie who didn't have that first offseason going into his first year in the league because he was rehabbing. I think when you're looking at the cornerback position, somebody like Starling Thomas, who the Cardinals got off the waiver list right before the regular season started, if that's somebody that you think can be one of your starting cornerbacks and maybe you bring in a veteran opposite of him, right? There's absolutely having that full offseason for Kyler Murray not having to rehab, really understanding this offense to the point where he isn't thinking and it feels natural um, is important. But I think there's also a handful of other, you know, younger players where they having this full offseason will also be incredibly beneficial for them. And hopefully you see that leap going into year two. I know Jonathan Gannon said that he tears everything down and starts over from scratch. To a certain extent, I get it, but the basic principles, what you want to do on offense and defense and what you what you know worked based off that eight-game sample size in which you did have Kyler as your quarterback, that's not going to change, and it's not going to be new for everyone who walks into this building. It's not going to be Kaiser White coming in and say, all right, this is what this defense looks like and should do. It's now, based off how many guys that are coming back, now it's 15 players defensively, maybe more, maybe less. But you're going to have more than just one or two guys that are familiar with what Drew Petzing and Nick Rollis like to do on either side of the ball. So, man, there'll be some tweaks, but you're not starting from scratch. That was that was 2023. 2024, no, I do think there has to be an expectation of making playing meaningful football late December, early January, if not to secure a place in your seating, but be in that conversation be in the hunt, be on that graphic that says Arizona Cardinals in the hunt, if not better, going into next season. I think that's realistic from what we saw once Murray got comfortable in this offense and what we saw from this team late in the season in terms of how competitive they were and staying in the games. There were still moments where you could tell 
the personnel was hurting them or maybe some of those self-inflicting wounds. It kind of felt like near the last game or two penalties were all of a sudden a problem where like really I felt like that wasn't the case unless you go back to the beginning of the season like weeks one and two I'm thinking like Washington where it was all over the place. So there are still moments where you think okay you can see where the room for growth is but I do still think that the majority of evaluating this year from the Cardinals would lead you to believe that it is realistic that they could make a push for the playoffs. There were six new playoff teams in 2023, and at least four new teams have qualified for the playoffs after failing to make this postseason the year before in 34 straight seasons in the NFL. That's from the league office. So four new playoff teams, at least four new playoff teams every single year for 34 straight years. So if you look at the NFC, 49ers, Cowboys, Lions, Buccaneers, Eagles, Rams, and Packers. Those were your top seven seeds. The Cardinals are going to make the playoffs. you got to take someone out. Who do you take out on that list? You want me to say the Cowboys, Craig? If you want to say the Cowboys. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say the Cowboys. Based off earlier conversations here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by what? Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, we know your thoughts on the Packers. Meh. See? Um... I think that the Rams are a question mark. I think what they were able to do is still impressive of they were in their own sort of transition year and what does quarterback Matthew Stafford's future look like? Um, they have some young pieces, but they're not the youngest team. So that's kind of a question mark for me of I'm not sure that the Rams can continue to kind of get in, not slide by, but find their way into the playoffs the way that they did this past year that would be a question mark for me the Plus, Packers the Rams have lost their defensive coordinator Raheem Morris he's now going to the Falcons and he's taking with him Zach Robinson to be his offensive coordinator and Robinson was on the offensive staff for the Rams for a number of years so now all of a sudden you're and this is nothing new for Sean McVay I'm not saying he can't figure it out this past season they weren't supposed to be in the playoffs yet there they were right and okay the Buccaneers did they catch lightning in a bottle? Can they do it again? Can Baker Mayfield do it again for a second straight season? That would be a question mark for me. I agree. It's not like Baker Mayfield has been the most consistent quarterback. He's had some fun times, right? He's had some impressive games and you know some bouts with different teams, but you're right. I don't know that he's the most consistent quarterback for a back-to-back playoff run. The Packers, I'm actually encouraged by what I saw from Jordan Love and company. Now, the biggest question maybe for most teams, or for many, are the Eagles. And I saw this little nugget in Football Morning in America. Peter King was talking about the turnover with the Philadelphia Eagles. In the past 12 months, the Eagles have had seven different coordinators. Three on offense. I'm sorry, three on defense. Four on offense. Because you had Jonathan Gannon on defense, and then they had, who was it that they just Shane Steichen went to the Colts. Who then went up to the boot, right? Okay, and then... Your switch. Well, I was doing all defense at first, but Jonathan Gannon, and then who was it who got... They had two different, Sean Desai got fired, and they had Matt Patricia. they put him up to the booth, and Matt Patricia. And then they just, I can't remember who they just... Oh, uh, Vic Fangio is now so the so, okay, so four, four different on defense and three on offense, and that's without technically naming Matt Patricia as your new yeah. defensive coordinator. I mean, he, but that's what he he's said, calling coordinator plays. play calling, yeah, right. And then offense, Steigen, 
And then this past year, and then they just hired a new one? Yeah. Oh, they did. Kellen Moore. Kel- yeah. Who was with the Cowboys before the Chargers. Wow, that's crazy in 12 I read months. that, and I was like, because he was going through all the different coaching, you know, the openings now with Seattle and, and the Commanders, but he brought things up the Eagles and the different coordinators. So, yeah, three different offensive coordinators. Sheesh. They're on their third different, so is and it they're still, on their fourth different defensive coordinator. So is it still Jonathan Gannon's fault if you've had to go through three other coordinators? Maybe he was doing something right after all. Maybe. Unfortunately, the Philadelphia Eagles are not on the schedule next season. Yeah, that's another question mark team of yeah. are we watching a major collapse? So there's three teams. I mean, I, I look, this sounds dramatic, and here we are, haven't even made it to the Super Bowl this season. I feel like we're going to have an entire offseason, an entire season of – um, Nick Sirianni being on the hot seat and people calling for his job. Like I, I, I'm calling it right now that by the time the 2024 regular season starts, there's it's going to be all over online of is Nick Sirianni going to make it an entire season coaching for his job every single week? That's what I'm feeling from Philly. And then same conference, or should say same division, Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. Oof. So out of those seven teams in the NFC – 49ers are pretty solid. I think the Lions are pretty solid. I do like the Packers, but you can make a case. There's some spots. Yes. There's some room to get in. Because I love it how it's like, oh, yeah, they, you can make the playoffs. Okay, well, if you're going to make the playoffs, talking about the Cardinals, someone's got to come out. So you can't just say, oh, yeah, they're a playoff team. Well, okay, then now tell me who's coming out. Who's who's leaving so you can take that spot? And some of those teams that were in the hunt, like Seattle, who just missed the cutoff, I don't know what they're going to look like. You're they're a new still, head coach yeah. in however many years since Pete Carroll took over. That's a big question mark. But that's an opportunity. Look, if we're talking about the Rams being one of those teams where we don't know realistically what they're going to look like next year, and Seattle's going through a lot of changes, that is – to don't even get to the Super Bowl opening or playoff openings for the Cardinals. Talk about the division openings. That's a great opportunity for Arizona to kind of, again, find some dominance against your division rivals and and make a push for the playoffs that way. I just don't think the Cardinals as are as far away as many people believe if you're just looking at the record. And we can have all kinds of discussions this offseason about, you know, what needs to be added and what needs to change. But, you know, teams do make that jump. They do go from four wins. They do go from last place to first place. It happens a lot. That's my expectation in 2024. With Aaron Rodgers returning to the Jets, are they one of those teams (laughs) that finds a way into the playoffs if he lasts longer than 12 minutes during the season? (laughs) 12 minutes. I think it was like 12 less than 12 plays. A handful of plays. Wow. Yeah. Maybe you'll run into Aaron Rodgers doing some work in Orlando for the Pro Bowl. I have no idea. I just thought I'd bring that up. Is he even going to be there? I have no idea. <laughs> I doubt it. With Aaron Rodgers, I think he's no probably idea. already in his off-the-grid cabin <laughs> doing whatever he's doing in the off-season. Are you all packed and ready to go? Heck no. Oh, okay. I haven't even looked at the weather. God, it's probably going to rain, isn't oh, it? Oh, no. Weather updates. <laughs> I thought we were done with that. Uh-oh. Uh, Here's I hoping haven't even for looked. Because I'm assuming weather. Camping World Stadium is no roof, right? All outdoors. Outdoors, yes. Cool. Please no rain. Okay. We are hoping for no rain (laughs) ahead of Danny Sarek's second Pro Bowl appearance. Well, enjoy it. Thank you. Tell Buddha we said hello and 
Maybe anyone else who might show up in a Cardinals yeah, uniform. I'll keep my eyes open. All right. And we'll revisit this conversation when you come back. Perfect. Weather permitting, of course. On that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amandro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.